0: Hello, welcome back to Making A Happen.
1: I'm Nigel. And I'm Steve. And today we're really excited to have our first guest, Sasha Avrutina from Myo Public Market, who's going to be talking to us about her innovative service. And you'll join us as Sasha
0: shares what it's like across the pond. So we usually start by talking about what we've been up to recently as a bit of a a warm-up, really. So... I'm getting back into things a bit, you know, I mean, COVID has been quite a a challenge for everybody. I don't know how much you've been locked down in your area, but we've had some pretty stringent regulations put on us. And and recently, we've been allowed to do a few more things. So I've been able to go back to the gym and do workouts. And I'm looking forward to park run starting in another month. So I've been out diligently trying to run the odd 5k in hopes that I might get somewhere close to the time I used to be able to do it before I started eating too much and uh, relaxing. So and the weather's been pretty good to us the last few days. So that's been really good as well. So what have you been up to? Let's start with Sasha.
2: Yeah, I got I got my COVID vaccine yesterday. Ah. So I'm pretty happy about that. I'm just a little tired today, but I can't tell if it's more than usual or <laughs> the same amount. But yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, things have been slowly opening up in New York City here as well yeah there's just a bunch of people everywhere so i feel like you kind of get a little used to it there's not as much of the shock of not seeing anyone and suddenly having a bunch of people around i've started running more as well now that the weather is nicer and yeah hopefully getting to be able to see my family in the next few months i have like four weddings <laughs> this really? year that i'm invited wow. to and, yeah exciting. from now till september so that's going to be a, definitely a big shift from the past year, so yeah.
0: Cool. One of them isn't your own, is it, by any chance?
2: No, not mine.
0: Which which vaccine did you have?
2: The Pfizer one.
0: Okay. I had the
1: AstraZeneca. No blood clots.
2: <laughs> That's good. As far as I know. Um.
1: I was very tired afterwards for a couple of days, so if you're feeling tired, I think that's to be expected. So what have I been up to? Yeah, I mean, like you both said, really, I think it feels like things are starting to open up. The weather's definitely helping my mindset, and I've been hanging out with friends a little bit more and bumping into people in the streets and being outside a bit more. I saw my parents for the first time in six months last weekend. And this weekend, just gone. I did a really big walk in the countryside, which was just really delightful. So I'm looking forward to more of that.
0: Excellent. We're really excited having you here with us today, Sasha, because we want to hear all about the My Oak Market project that you were involved with. And uh, but before we do that, it'd be nice to know just a little bit more about yourself and how you got into into doing it, because the the project is is quite interesting. But I, I think I, I was checking your background. I, I'm not you know stalking or anything here, but <laughs> I did I did notice that uh, you were a, a graphic designer. So it was interesting that you seemed to be in a quite a different space. So maybe you could share with us how you ended up getting involved in that.
2: So my ELK is, it's a student project. So I was in school last year in this program called social design. It's always hard to explain it without a lot of jargon for me, but I'll try to explain it. But basically, yeah, my background is as a graphic designer. So the social design program is essentially using human-centered design, which unless you're not familiar with it, I would say how i explain it would be a process that kind of has a bit more like extended of a process because i f- if you think of graphic design for instance you're really put into this production so you're making like websites print whatever it is you're doing with human centered design you're more involved from the beginning of creation with research tied in with different methods of doing a more collaborative approach to designing something. So Mm -hmm. it's really whoever you're working with is more highly involved and there's more tools and methods and more of a process on how it's not just someone asks you to do something and do it. There's more methods to have more back and forth and have groups or individuals be more involved from the beginning to end. But the program itself is more focused on applying this method towards like social justice issues. So this human-centered design method can be applied to really anything. I know it's used in the medical field a lot or in government agencies now, more so to develop tools and the services. But this is really kind of more focused on, I would say, trying to look at community based projects and focusing more on some issues that deal with equity. For instance, I focused a lot on food access or job access, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So that's the program. So My Oak came out of that program. So it was me and four other students. And we did an independent study where the goal was to submit an application for the biomimicry global design challenge. And so the project, we kind of wanted to mix biomimicry with what we were learning in our program and kind of combine the two and see what are the benefits and pros of both, how they can be improved, what are some of the cons of each. So that's kind of more
1: broadly where that came from. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the Biomimicry website because that's actually how we found you. I've been really struck on that website that there's a lot of solutions and ideas around product design, but not so much around system design or service design. I think at the time when I was looking, you were the only project that I discovered on there and it really fit with something that we were already thinking about. There's a guy called John Thacker. I don't know if you've heard of him. He gave a talk, which was shown on... YouTube about thinking like a forest. I think I'd watched that and then I came across you and it just like fit just so perfectly that (laughs) we had to get in touch with you and find out more about it.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, touching what you said with the biomimicry, that was definitely something going into it where we know we're not engineers. I was a graphic designer. Another one of my teammates was a graphic designer. One was a product. Designer, one was a landscape architect, and one was working in like a food systems for a while, and a farmer, and kind of knew more and ins and outs of that for some context. And yeah, but we were definitely focused on trying to use biomimicry to create a service, or more of thinking more of how it would work in this local food system, which was kind of hard to do because I think when you think of biomimicry, it lends itself more to physical product versus whole systems.
0: Most definitely. So how did you go about getting started? I mean, you've got a very interesting question that you set as your kind of starting point. I've got it written down here. So how might you cultivate a more connected and responsive food system network to ensure food access during times of crisis now that's quite a interesting kind of question to come up with and I was wondering how you'd formulated it because one of the things Nigel and I have discovered is that we've probably spent four episodes now and we still haven't quite figured out what the question is that we're trying to answer so it'd be nice to know how you got such a neat question set out.
2: So when we started we, we had a really great faculty so we were able to meet with some people part of the Baltimore Office of Sustainability, and we were able to basically ask them if there is a project that we can do that can possibly help with the work that you're doing there. And so we started with, this was all pre-COVID, focusing on waste in local restaurants, but then after COVID hit, we weren't super excited (laughs) about that. We wanted to do something a bit more tied the response which is where that question came from what we saw kind of immediately after restaurants started shutting down was that there was a lot of lack of food sources happening with you know grocery stores kind of being overrun and having some essentials out restaurants that you could rely on weren't there anymore but at the same time we also saw a lot of smaller grassroots organizations stepping up and filling in this gap or restaurants that are really tied to the community pivoting. And so it's figuring out how to get these small pockets to work together throughout the city and be aware of where everyone is doing, because I think that was a big part of what the Baltimore Office of Sustainability was doing at the time was trying to track these smaller community efforts. Mm -hmm. And that was where our question came of how do we encourage or promote connection between so that you're able to move resources even easier throughout the whole city.
1: And how did the idea of looking to a forest to help answer that question? How did that come about?
2: Yeah, that was a long, long process. But basically, we looked at everything. We wanted to focus on something local to Baltimore, at the very least, Maryland. So we did look at the Chesapeake Bay and the forests in the area. So we did narrow it down to that to keep it locally tied and we could possibly be able to just go walk outside and get inspired from, Mm from that. But we looked at everything from ants to looking at soil before we really landed on this mycelium forest connection and i think looking at the question like some things that we were initially inspired by was distribution of resources but also looking at where in nature you find disturbances so looking at fires or um, floods droughts the chesapeake bay area forest it was mostly looking at fires and how forests recover from that or other animals looking for other forms of symbiotic relationships like there's an interesting relationship with ants and certain fungi i forgot which one but basically ants like eat certain plants and then as they go by the fungi they like Break down the nutrients that the ants can't break down themselves, but then the fungi get the nutrients that the ants gave to them and like a bunch of cool relationships like that. But I think uh, led us to really go with the oak tree and the Myceum Network of the Forest was towards the end. There was Robin Gunkel, who is an advisor at the school, the Maryland um in Sue College of Art, but she was is doing her PhD in, I think it's sustainability education, and she did a presentation for us about her work, and it was all about reciprocity, and she was looking at this mycelium network, the Wood Wide Web, and everything kind of really clicked after she said that, and it really resonated with us, and I think it definitely tied one of the two main concepts which is reciprocity that we wanted it to be kind of a, a two-way street which was important to us and also resilience and how this mycelium network in the forest helps with resilience because um, sure we're looking at emergency food response for COVID but we also want this to not just stop after an emergency of how this would continue on afterwards and keep collapses in the food system from happening again
1: that's really interesting i'm wondering actually as you're talking about this how did you go to the forest and spend some time there did you have presentations from ecologists i mean how did you get to understand the relationships and understand more about how forests work?
2: Yeah I would say with forests it was mostly we had presentations from a bunch of people we had Robin William Padilla Brown is a mycologist so he knows all about mushrooms so a very in-depth look at mushrooms mm-hmm. let me see Bill Hillgarner is a paleo ecologist so we had to know more about Plants. Quinn Holfield is a soil biologist, and Nicola Bruto is an anthropologist. And so, these were people we met with constantly to get that deeper knowledge that we don't really have because we're not like experts on any of these um, mushrooms or forests. So they were definitely pretty critical in learning about the ins and outs of this. Did
1: you go to that to hang out in the woods?
2: Yeah, I did, but not we didn't end up going together. We did end up going to like the aquarium and the natural history museum in, in the beginning. And then obviously after the pandemic, we were kind of separated. But yeah, I definitely went out to look at fish and museum texturing.
0: What, what I think is interesting is that you started with the problem and then you started to explore different biomimicry options, I'd say. Whereas Nigel and I have kind of started with the idea and now we're trying to find the problem it fits. I think maybe it's an interesting, (laughs) uh, different way around, isn't it, Nigel? What do you think?
1: may not be the right, the best way of doing it. I'm just looking at the diagram on the wall behind Steve's head and how complicated (laughs) that is.
0: (laughs) So once you settled on, it was going to be the forest then obviously there's a lot of detail came into how you actually figured out what was going to happen next so so where did you go after that light bulb moment of the presentation where you decided, yep it's going to be the forest what next
2: yeah I mean I think we had some initial ideas after looking at so many examples of kind of where we wanted to go after we did that but I guess there's a couple things because the forest <laughs> system is just so complicated so there were definitely like bits and pieces to grab from One I'm thinking of is tying to the resiliency aspect is this idea of what's the term where things essentially are repeated in the system. I'm trying to think of the term, but basically how redundancy. Yeah, redundancy, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) so we were looking at redundancy and I think that really kind of we're not trying to necessarily create a new service out there. It was more of connecting existing services and community centers. So I guess to explain the whole NIO concept in a few words would be that its producers would be able to put their products on an online platform. But the idea is that these products would be able to deliver to central community hubs. So they'd have these central hub points, which could then be either picked up or delivered to the residents closest to the hubs. And so it's taking advantage of these community hubs, which are already recognized in parts of the Baltimore food sustainability plan and so there's redundancy in that we're not like creating these new community hubs they're existing and with the market we were really not hoping that producers would necessarily use this exclusively it was more of another outlet and ideally a place where they could put surplus food versus their main outlet so that was one thing that we were definitely looking into and thinking of how we would create redundancy and not necessarily i guess like creating a new service Mm -hmm. and the other thing with reciprocity is thinking through because our focus was definitely on people who experience food access even before the pandemic. So there's a lot of variables that keep people from economic to just physically you're mm. in the food desert, unable to really have access to food. And so we're thinking if, if you can't work with like economically, and if you can't, like if you're limited on how much you can pay for food, it's the relationship is what other things can you provide that would be beneficial so it's not just like a give and it's more of how you build a relationship and what other resources can you share where it's not a predatory Mm -hmm. relationship
1: that sounds really interesting i i speaking for myself i think steve as well we really i've been really captivated by the idea of reciprocity but how to actually work with that i think we're describing sounds really interesting
0: Mm. And and I think some of the nuances that you're bringing into it, I mean, in particular, like the idea that you're trying to create a relationship between the person who's getting the food and the person who's providing it, and you're still trying to retain the kind of commercial bit, but you're also trying to find some other factors in there that are going to give them a relationship. So it's not like, we're we're going to get rid of uh, capitalism, and we're going to do food a different way. It's more about how can we add something else to it to make that relationship a bit stronger. Could you is that kind of? Can you expand on that a bit and tell us more about how you decided what those other things might be?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think with that is, I think it's also tied to biomimicry in general. Of when you go into it, a project or an idea. You're gonna hit a limit where it's not gonna fit into this nature's kind of mm. how it functions and like especially with consumerism like that's kind of a very human thing and yeah. we're trying to like fit this into something that i would say doesn't necessarily follow nature's principles and it's very <laughs> excessive and that. So yeah. I think it's hard to really do this and rec- like think that you're doing this biomimicry very purely because you're going to hit a wall eventually. So I guess recognizing that, that we're trying to develop something, but we can't change. Like you said, the way the whole economy <laughs> or like how business works, and just being cognizant of that. But yeah, we were trying to think of alternatives of how this could work. And I don't know if we've gotten in there before yet, but we're trying.
0: The other thing that's interesting is that in the model, so you've got your website that kind of describes what's what you're proposing. I, I mean, it, I understand it's not actually functioning yet; it's just a concept. You you then bring in a lot of uh, modern technology like the web, and people can use that to communicate or a telephone. I mean, was that like a kind of a really quick step? Or did it take you a little while to figure out how you were going to make all those bits fit together?
2: Yeah, we're not sure how they are all going to uh, fit together necessarily. (laughs) But yeah, the thought was that, Like the web is an amazing thing and it's very easy to set something up and get it going. One thing with this concept specifically is considering that some people might not have easy access to the web. So we were definitely considering on how you can use the phone or how you use word of mouth more effectively and not relying on this technology services if you don't have easy access to
1: it there's something i'm kind of half remembering which is on on the video that's on your website that explains how you came up with it and what the what the service is about there's an image where you show the stages from moving from how a forest works to how my oak could work and you had kind of trees and, and hub trees and, and how the mycelium connects. I'm not sure what you called them, actually, but like the larger trees and the saplings. Then you translated that into food consumers and producers and vendors. And I think you chose the consumers as the mycelium. or I can't remember which way around it was, but it was a surprising way to me or to us, because I would have put the vendors as the kind of the mycelium, but I think you had the consumers as the mycelium.
2: For me, see, I can pull it up. Let's see. I think I know what you're referring to, but we had the the hub trees, which are kind of the main, like the big boys in town that have mm. all the sugar. We yeah. had them be the vendors. The mycelium is what we had as myoc market, so that's what we kind of put ourselves or the market as providing the service the saplings would be people facing food insecurity and then the mushrooms we had be the community hubs the saplings yeah. were
1: mm-hmm. the people i think that's yeah that's that's,
0: a, that's an interesting point that's really good yeah, that was interesting or really interesting
1: steve did you have any other questions
0: if we go back to the question did you get together with a group of people and use post-its and try and develop the whole is that how you got the because it's a it, it's a very well crafted, you know, I mean, obviously you didn't sit down and write it down in one go, it must have taken a bit of time. I was very impressed by that. And I think I'm just feeling Nigel and I have got to get a question organized or our Our podcast is just going to turn into us having a good old chat and not making a lot of progress. So we're just looking for tips on how you crafted it, because we might be able to use the same process or some ideas from it so maybe you could share a bit about what happened when you actually were formulating the question
2: definitely a lot of a lot of post-it notes yeah i think the question was one of the things we did early on i think it's super helpful for framing especially as you're starting to dive into like ideas you definitely get lost and pulled in all places i'm trying to remember specifically what we were thinking of i think we kind of set general parameters so one would be response to COVID which is where we got the crisis part from during times of crisis we knew we still wanted to work in the kind of where we started with food waste so looking into food access which is where we pivot and I think that how we cultivate I think the cultivate was the like most (laughs) hardest part was trying to figure out like what like what exactly we're trying to do because it's not like, like I mentioned, we weren't trying to create necessarily a new service. I think spending a lot of time on the question ends up paying off.
1: So you spend a lot of time on the question and then you went to look for the solution or you had some kind of solutions bubbling along or some ideas bubbling along the same time as you were formulating it?
2: We kept on being pushed to not form ideas yet as much as you might get them to kind of maybe put make a note but leave them out especially with biomimicry it's just go out and find inspiration first and then think of solutions based from that I, which yeah i would say is kind of difficult because you're definitely having ideas as you
1: go sounds like quite an amazing process how long did it take you
2: i think it would be one semester so i guess it would be a couple of months from start to finish so yeah it was a speedy process because we had the deadline we continued on afterwards because we were a finalist for the global design challenge so we were part of launchpad which essentially provides startup training to get the idea off the ground so we've definitely pivoted a lot in what we're doing and focused in after this broader submission
0: So so it'd be interesting to understand because, I mean, it must have been quite exciting to discover that you were successful in getting into the launchpad phase because, you know, you you spend the semester doing something which is kind of like an assignment and, you know, it's done. And then you get all this uh, additional support to help you to refine the idea. So maybe you could share a bit about what sort of support you got at that point and and how much refinement took place as a result of it.
2: Yeah, I would say one of the main things was that we... We had like a bunch of partners like the Baltimore Office of Sustainability and like I mentioned all the names of the scientists, all the people involved, which we didn't really have anymore after that, which definitely made a pivot. I think one of the main things is we focused in more on who we're trying to target in terms of consumers and it's narrowing down on Because we like food, food access can be applied to so many people, and I think we wanted to, for um, simplicity's sake, narrow it down to people government funding for food. So now you have more of a target audience, and with producers on the other side I think it would be limiting to like a scale of the business and yeah I think once you once you get to those like logistical issues I think a lot of the big dream kind of gets smaller but but I think it's still exciting and you have to start somewhere
0: Oh no. I agree totally. It's really interesting how how it evolved. Just uh, just an interesting background. Uh, So I actually spent quite a lot of time working on food waste in, in my career in the past in a government, well, originally government funded then charity organization called Waste Resource Action Program. And we created something called Love Food Hate Waste which was all about educating people about not wasting food, but it also then sort of segued into access to food because sometimes food's wasted because the people that are accessing it aren't sure what to do with it. So it's just interesting to hear that you were getting quite focused in that area of food.
2: Yeah, that's really cool.
0: So where are you going to go from here? is Baltimore sustainability going to take it forward or is your team taking it forward
2: Right now it's in the in the limbo state I would say yeah i cuz we were we were all students only one person is in Baltimore now i'm in New York City half of our team is international so Judy is in Taiwan now and Sue's going Back home to Korea soon. So yeah, when people split up like that, it's kind of hard to keep it going. But I know we are all very passionate about the project. I know I personally want to continue it in some format when I'm able to maybe get like a team together. Again. So yeah, right now I'm a designer for Light Farm, which is it's an open source free web application, but it helps manage your day to day tasks for small farms. And our next big thing is really uh, trying to, as you capture things for organic farming, it's really like tracking what you do everywhere. So hopefully at the end, when you submit certification, if you're using the application, you just press the button and it auto-populates the 60-page document. So it makes life a lot easier for organic farmers.
1: That sounds really cool. I'm going to check that out. What So that, that makes me think about something else actually, about B Corps, because it's so complicated to, to become a B Corp. That's just an aside. But I'm wondering if the whole experience of of My oak and the kind of the idea of, of going to nature to find a solution or to look for a solution, whether that's something that you're going to carry forward um, into other projects.
2: Yeah, I think I definitely will. I think especially if you're interested in things like sustainability, which I am, it's really like a great place to Look, because there's so many solutions that you see looking out there on how you reduce waste, how you work with natural processes and materials and get the results that you're looking for. So I I definitely, definitely will. (laughs)
0: Mentioning farms and the, the the role you're doing in farming at the moment, a book that Nigel and I have both been very keen on, which is uh, which probably has been playing through some of the background of what we're doing, is called uh, Braiding Sweetgrass. You, you should check it out, actually. I think you'd probably find it, if you haven't already, you'd probably find it really interesting. I was going
1: to persuade, Sasha, to... I was going to send it to you as an book.
2: Oh, I, I actually got the book in the library over the weekend, so I started a couple <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's a I'm great
0: watching- it's a great book it gives you some really interesting ideas but uh, listening to it has been really I've really enjoyed listening to it it's been uh, me too. very inspiring and you get lots of neat ideas about how stuff might work it sends you off in different directions so yeah. there's actually
1: a guy as well who's written a book about we say fungi you say fungi I think it's called The Entangled Life all right um, someone bought it for me for my birthday it's a really thick hardback I have got but I I'm looking forward to reading that and finding out more about mycelium and and how the funnel network works (laughs) maybe that's the next book after
0: (laughs) what i've taken from our discussion today is that we need to go away and maybe write down those issues a bit more clearly for ourselves and then think about how they relate to what we're thinking about in terms of the forest and and identify where where it leads us because i think one of the things that we've we've done is we so far we've kind of tried to kind of mash it together a little bit in our minds or just you know came up with ideas I mean you've heard the podcast so you know what we've done so far which has been fun but maybe we just need to get a little more focused in our thinking to try and identify the next big opportunity
1: well we're also thinking about that we need to go and speak to a lot more people live there, but also I mean I'm struck by what you said that you Spoke to the Baltimore Office of Sustainability, and they had a project that they were already looking at, or there was uh, there was a problem that they were looking at. So, yeah, it was- it's
2: yeah. I mean, it's helpful. I feel like it's it's easier to get support if you're kind of supporting something that's already starting. So, yeah,
1: yeah. So I wondered if you had any other words of wisdom or advice for us.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. In the early stages so i wouldn't limit it yeah i feel like you should go out and look at even more um still expanded before you go and narrow it down mm. from what i've heard
0: right well that's been great is, is there anything else i mean i, th- I think that's kind of kind of covered so. it yeah thank yeah. you so
1: much it's been really interesting and really lovely to meet you yeah you. Us, we've been emailing for ages <laughs> um... yeah
2: thank you this is uh Fun. I'm really honored. You <laughs> wanted to hear what I was working on.
0: Okay. Well, and if you if you come across anybody else is doing anything in this area that you think might be interesting, do let us know because we'd always love to chat with other people sure. that are doing stuff. So
2: I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And good luck uh with your big idea. Thank
0: you. <laughs> that's great. Thanks very much. Well there you have it. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to send us feedback, have comments or questions, email us at makingahappen at gmail.com or on Twitter at making happen. And don't forget to join us next time at MakingA Happen.